Oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, happy Easter. Happy Easter, everybody. It's Easter. It's Easter Sunday. This is going out very late. All right. I'm going to be honest. It's going out late. It's going out a little bit late. But to be fair, I uh, was eating brunch. I went to the New York City, the, the, the New York City, New York City to have brunch at Big Daddy's on 91st and Broadway. And it was delicious. I had uh, some chili tater tots and uh, a nice omelet uh, with spinach and goat cheese. It was good. It was a good breakfast, brunch, and unlimited mimosas. I'm going to be honest. I uh, had some unlimited mimosas because I'm a man, and I uh, am a man who's comfortable with himself and saying that uh, he had unlimited mimosas while everybody else at the table had Bloody Marys. Okay? Look, I like I like mimosas, or as I like to call them, manmosas. They're manmosas in my mind. Anyways, look, we have a great show for you today. My guest Tara Vanderwood. Now, that is not wood like you would chop wood. It's not wood like you would do something. It's Vanderwood, like W-O-U-D-E. All right? And she's a social worker. She does a lot of speaking engagements. And she's a very she has a lot to say. She has a lot to say. And we will get into that. We will get into that today. She's an amazing woman. And I'm happy to have had her on the show. She is fantastic. She's a great guest. If you want to come on the show, if you want to come on the rambler podcast do not be nervous don't be nervous okay because i will tell you one thing first of all number one you as a person who are listening to the show and as a person who may have other people that you know that want to do the show have a voice you have a voice because uh you're a human being all right with a human being with your own individual experiences and education and life okay and uh, to be fair i Honestly, don't care. This is going to sound negative, but it's very positive. What you do in your life. If you are an artist, I am happy to have you on to talk about your art and what that means to you. If you are somebody who works in the adoption community through social work, through empowerment, through different communities, I am happy to talk to you about that. Please Please get in touch with me. If you are somebody who is a writer, I want to talk to you about your writing, okay? And, and I really, I do. I want to talk to you. I don't feel like you should feel bad about your art, your voice, your work uh, in any way, shape, or form, okay? Come talk to me because there are so many things about what you do that embody you, they embody you, and you embody it in your art and in your work. So don't belittle yourself and say like, oh, I'm just this person, or I just do this. Or I just. First of all, just uh, in that context, one of the worst words you could use to describe what you do and who you are. Don't ever say to yourself, I am just this, I am just that, or I just do this, or I just do that, okay? You are fantastic at what you do and who you are, and you are you, okay? And I, I know that sounds cliche and stereotypical. What you just found out is actually the word for the stamping press that actually uh, it, it is in, so you know, onomatopoeia. It's an onomatopoeian uh, sound for what literally was a stereotype, which pressed in the days of the Gutenberg Press uh, copies of, of things. And the word cliche was the onomatopoeian version of the sound that made the stereotype. So it was like cliche, cliche. 
Uh, anyways, listen, you are not a cliche. You are not a stereotype. You are a person with unique experience and a unique skill and unique writing. So with that said, we're going to get to my interview with Tara Vanderwood, which you will enjoy. And uh, just keep that in mind as we go through this. Okay. Enjoy. Enjoy. Hi, Mike. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> I'm going to go on record. I hate because I feel so fake. I know. It might be fake. It feels so radio. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Like clearly when you, li- all right, when you listen, do you listen to like drive time radio or anything like I, that? Yes, yeah, sometimes. And they're like doing an interview with some celebrity who's promoting whatever. Let's say it's Ben Affleck doing Batman v Superman, right? And they're like, which sounds like a legal case, by the way. It's like the people versus Batman. But it's, <laughs> seriously, they get in there like, hey, hey, Ben, how are you? And they're like, he's like, hey, guys, and my publicist says this is Indianapolis morning zoo or whatever it is with the two crazies and the one lady. <laughs> right? And he has no idea. And he's just like, hi, even though they've already done some pre-interview stuff or whatever with the producer. Right. <clears throat> and later it's like, Hi, Ben. He's like, hi, guys that I'm talking to for the first time, even though we've clearly talked earlier. Right. Okay, I take it back. No, hi, Mike. No, it's fine if you want to say hi. Okay. I appreciate that. Okay. I appreciate a greeting. Okay. But I just don't want it to be a fake greeting. Okay, I'm ready. We've already started, so I hope you're ready. I'm ready. (laughs) No, no, but so you're, are you still nervous? Maybe a little. You're a little nervous. I'm a little nervous. Don't be nervous. Okay. This is let's just a conversation. Just, let's just chat. Let's just chat. Let's That's chat. all this is. Okay, let's chat. It's a conversation. Okay. What do you want to talk about? You go first. I go first. Yeah, you tell me. All right. Uh, why don't we start with uh, your name? Sure. Tara. Tara. Vanderwood. Vanderwood. So uh-huh. you pronounce it Vanderwood. I do. It's Dutch. It's Dutch? It is. My husband is Dutch. Oh, okay. Yes. And I was also adopted into a Dutch family. We're, oh, oh. Interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. I hate using both of those words, very and interesting, but that it, I feel like it applies here. So do you feel like that's related somehow, or it was just love at first sight, or, or what? What's the question? The Dutch connection. Oh, I grew up in a very Dutch pocket of Michigan. There's a Dutch pocket of Michigan? Yes. Like, what? how Dutch? Like... <laughs> like, like decently Dutch, I think. Like it's old New York was once New Amsterdam West side Dutch. Of Michigan, there's a lot of Dutch. People. Which part of the mitt? West. Is it? The, West Michigan. This part, mm-hmm. the center. Closest She's pointing West. to the center. Closest to West, West part. Lake Michigan. Closest to Lake Michigan on the border of what? Illinois. No, the lake in Michigan. <laughs> you know, it Michigan's a peninsula. Doesn't Michigan? Michigan is a peninsula. But on the other side of Lake Michigan, is it not Illinois? Wisconsin. It's Wisconsin. Oh my goodness! You need to go back to geography. I class. literally know nothing about the middle of America. <gasps> Illinois is south of Michigan. So we're in Indianapolis Which right is now, east and I couldn't of even Illinois. point to Indiana on the map. You couldn't. I couldn't. Okay, I don't hold. Is it west okay. of Ohio? We are west of Ohio, east of Illinois, south of Michigan, and you are in the about the center of the state, the crossroads of America. If you haven't seen, is that signs. what it's called? It is. What is St. Louis? St. Louis is the gateway to the West. I've not spent much time in St. Louis. What does that make St. Louis to Indianapolis? Nothing? A nothing city? It's not on my radar. (laughs) 
But you're originally from Michigan. I'm originally from Michigan. Mm-hmm. Well, you're originally from Korea. I know. That's a loaded question for the It's adoptee. a loaded question. Right. When you say, where are you from, what does that really mean? Ooh. Right? Oh. Right? There's layers for us. Layers for you, too. It's like an onion or a parfait. Peel it. Mm-hmm. Peel it. Mm-hmm. You can't peel a parfait. You can peel an onion. You can peel an onion. I didn't know you were going to say the parfait. <coughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to stop at the onion. That's a Shrek reference. But then you went You have to kids? I do. I haven't seen it. You haven't seen Shrek? No. It's probably... How old are your kids? Seven and nine. They haven't seen Shrek. No. That's too old for them. It is? Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's too old for them. Like, I think they would oh, appreciate the movie, it but it came out right, way right. earlier sure, sure. than they would appreciate. Right. They're probably, like, tangled and frozen. We have watched Frozen. How many times? times? Not too often. That's good. Yeah. I feel like it was yeah. all the rage a couple of years ago. Yeah. But Shrek, yeah, Shrek has a parfait joke. Okay. Okay, I'll watch for it. You should, I think, expose your kids to Shrek. Okay. At the I'll very least. That. I'll file that away. It's a classic at this point. <laughs> Because okay. it's probably, well, I don't know, maybe I was in... The Rambler told me so. High school when it came out. It's a good movie. It's okay. a good movie. Okay. Anyways, so yes, there are layers. It's a there loaded layers. question. Where are you from? Where right. are you from? Or the classic, what are you? What are you? As if we are us. <clears throat> An alien. Object. An object? That's a good one. I mean, it kind of objectifies us. What Absolutely. are you? Absolutely. Sure. Who are you? Not who are you. Not... Where are, are you from? Right. I mean, there are probably... Layers of which one do you feel like you get more often? Where are you from? What are you? Or, uh, like I heard a good TED talk that was a great question, which is never heard, which is probably why it's a TED talk at this point. Is where are you local? Where are you a local? Interesting. So, where would you say you're a local? We'll start with that. Where would I say I'm a local? I think Indianapolis at this point, it's Mm -hmm. been a good. Decade plus. You've spent a decade here. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, where were you local? Michigan. Well, Lafayette for one short year. Lafayette, Indian- right. Indiana. Correct. And then At I... At Purdue. Yes. I was living in Lafayette for one year. I and was then, not a student there, but I worked west of there. And then prior to that, Michigan. Correct. And prior to that... Prior to that... Daegu. Daegu. Uh-huh. South. Are you Daegu? South, south. South? Yeah. South, South Korea. I was South, South, South Korea. Busan? Uh, close to Pusan, okay. Masan, okay. which is, oh, I believe yeah. is just east Pusan. of yeah, yeah, yeah. Pusan. Yeah, yeah. I've never been to Pusan or Masan. Okay, get down there. I <laughs> I will I will do I'm that eventually. Do that. I would love to. I yeah. would love to go down. I've Pus- I've been to Pusan, not to Masan. <clears throat> so I think one of the reasons I stayed away from Pusan uh, when I lived there was because I heard the only time good to go to Pusan was in the summertime. Okay. And that in the summertime, it's extraordinarily crowded. Like, you can't go to the beach and get, like, three feet of space because it's so crowded. Is that true? I mean, I've been there a few times in the summer, always over 4th of July. It is busy mm-hmm. because a lot of the American servicemen are coming down for a good time sure. to Pusan. It's kind of like a little Miami. That's why, I, that's why I avoided it. So it does get a little busy, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's so crazy that you can't. It's not insane? No. I mean, you're from the city, so you probably don't... You're used to crowds, right? I'm used to crowds, but it's not like you go to the beach in New York. True. Do you really need your beach space? I, I require... I'm an American. I require a lot of space. You put all your blankets out? <laughs> <laughs> I have a I fairly I- decently sized blanket and an umbrella. <laughs> You need I've room not, for volleyball. I've not gone to Korea, to Busan, to go to the beach, okay. to spend any type of beach vacation. So you should probably ask someone else. 
<laughs> what is, but you've been to Busan, obviously. I have, yeah. Have you been to Masan? I have not. Okay. No. So but I won't ask next any. Next time. So what about Busan did you like? You know, so I've only been there when I was part of this homeland trip that I uh-huh. volunteer for. Yeah. And so, you Which know, part trip of that is, that? is RIP. Is that the Thai trip? That is the Thais program, so the Korean Thais trip, Mm -hmm. which I've done several times. So, you know, for me, going to Busan, it's kind of wrapped up in, it's just kind of fun to get away from Seoul at that point. Okay. To kind of have this vacation inside your vacation. How is it different than Seoul? Um, Well, you're right on the ocean, and Mm -hmm. we stay at a hotel right on the ocean. It is busy. I mean, it's still very, very busy. So it does sound like Miami. Yeah, it's a very large city. Um... It's a, it's Touristy. Korea's Miami to Seoul's New York. Does that sound about right? No, <laughs> you're nodding, but it's like a mm, that sounds like bullshit. Nod. Well, I think Korea. I'm just trying to figure out if you have your comparisons correct in my head. Is it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like a little Miami. I guess people say. I've never <laughs> been to the real Miami. You've never been to Miami? No. I've never been to Miami I've either. actually never been to Florida, which most people can't believe. That's, uh, that's okay. Is it okay? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. grew up in Michigan and Indiana. Everyone's been to Florida. Where do you... So this is what I was wondering, because this is my first time to Indiana. Where do we vacation? Where do you vacation? Well, I vacation to Michigan and to Tennessee to see the family. So you still go in Both the middle places. of America and, yes. and the South Central. Yes. But, I mean, <laughs> I've been many places in the country. It's just kind of crazy to me that I haven't been to Florida. Just not Florida. Right. Has your husband been to Florida? Yes. I've never been to Disney. But he's like, I don't want to go to Florida with the family. I mean, I think we would at some point. It's just not on our Yeah, you need to go to Disney with the kids. Maybe when they're a little bit older. Yeah, Disney doesn't do much for me. Sorry, Disney fans. (laughs) Maybe when Star Wars lands open. Are you into Star Wars at all? My son is. Your son's into Star Wars? So he should be ecstatic when Star Wars land opens, or whatever they're going to call that. I'll be waiting. That'll be like four years from now. So he might be, is he older or younger? Is he the oldest? He's the oldest. Mm-hmm. What? You said he was like 11? Nine. 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 So he'll be 13. Does it open then? Nobody knows. Oh. I've talked to Disney employees. They don't know. Oh. It's a mystery. Everything is shrouded in mystery at Disney. I think it's because they don't want to commit. Because <laughs> yeah, they say it's going to open in 2020, it's going to open in 2022 and people are getting mad. That's true. Including kids or people planning their vacation. Because people, I feel like, plan Disney vacations years out. Right. Because it's like, they probably it's do. expensive. They probably do. And Yeah. And if your vacation spots are uh, Michigan and Tennessee and you don't typically go well, to Disney. You know, what is vacation really when you have family out of state? We use our time to go there. To know? visit family. To visit family. Sure. I mean, we've been plenty of other places, but yeah, we go there. So, We're not good vacationers. I which, guess that's what I'm realizing right now on this <laughs> show. <laughs> That no. Well, which part of Tennessee do you go to? Is it My like Gatlinburg, Chattanooga? Chattanooga. Which is east. Yep. I don't. I don't know anything about I Chattanooga. Think it's east. I know uh, Nashville. Mm-hmm. I've never it's been two there. Hours from Nashville. Okay, so tell me about Chattanooga. Chattanooga. <laughs> My in-laws live there. It's fun. It has a fun little downtown. Uh huh. Smaller city. Fun downtown. There's a lot of country music. Probably. You don't know? I don't know. I'm you don't sure know line dancing? You didn't go line dancing? No. In high school, I feel like I learned a line dance. Really? I do. Was I it Cotton Eye Joe? Which like one was? Slap my shoes a little. <laughs> you, you didn't have boots? No, I didn't have boots. You never got Plenty boots? Plenty of people at my high school had boots. Did you go to high school in, in Chattanooga? No, in Michigan. We're talking about Michigan. Oh, we're talking about Michigan. That's where I was I asking you line. about Chattanooga. I, I told you I learned my line dance in high school. Oh, I, I see. All right, all right. So, which part of Michigan, Michigan are we talking about? I'm sorry. Which part of Michigan? West side. 
the, the which Western town? Western Michigan. Grand Rapids, Michigan. Grand Rapids. Yes. That's a fairly decent size town or city. I feel like it could be the second or third largest city after Detroit. After, after Detroit? After, yeah. What about now with Detroit? I'm sure we're still smaller. Really? Yeah, I think. I don't know. I'd have to look up the... Do you think there's been an exodus from Detroit recently? I don't know. I don't keep up to date. You don't keep up? Since the... uh, Okay, so you grew up in Detroit. No, I grew up in Grand Rapids. (laughs) Grand Rapids. I'm in Michigan at large. I want to make you a flow chart of my life. I need... I I feel like I need to tell you I'm a very visual... Actually, that's not a lie. I'm an oral learner. But visuals help me, for sure. Okay. Okay, see... (laughs) We are rambling. We are rambling. We are rambling. You've listened to the show before. I do not ramble well. You've listened to the show before. I have. So you know this goes on tangents, and I'm frequent to mistakes. That's okay. Which we can correct. You will correct correct. me. I will. Please do. Okay. All right. So. Yes. You were born in Daegu. As far as I know. As far as you're aware. Yes. Yes. According to your file. So, interestingly... I think growing up, I didn't know so much where I was really born. So I went back to Korea for the first time in my mid-20s. Okay. And I After did, college? Or? Yes, after college. And um, I started looking through my information, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know the day I was left somewhere. I don't know my birthday. All of a sudden, I just kind of appeared in this mm. world. And they estimate that I was about two months of age and I appeared and was referred to the social service agency who immediately referred me to an orphanage. Okay. So no birthday, no finding information. I don't know if I was left somewhere outside. I don't know if someone brought me into an office. I mean, it really is like I fell from the sky. Yeah. Um, you brought him by a stork. But I probably was. There were a lot of us that probably came in via that way. Right. So, but I believe the first instance on my paperwork was that I was referred to the Daegu City Counseling Center. Mm-hmm. And then I was at White Lily, which is a, was a pretty large orphanage in Daegu. So okay. I think it's safe to say I was born in Daegu or the surrounding area. In and around the none area. None of us were of there. Sure. And old enough to know, you know. I was going to say, you were there. Not you just you 100% no, true. You weren't right. online yet. I wasn't, yeah. I had no idea what was going on. So about two months of age in the orphanage for about 10 months. Okay, so we're yes. estimating about a year then. When I was adopted. When you were adopted Correct. through which agency? I was Holt Children's Services. Okay, Holt Korea. Babies. Are you a Holt Baby? I'm a Holt Baby. That was a high five. That okay. was a high five. <laughs> we high fived uh, over Holt, <laughs> which just followed me. I think their heritage camp just followed me on Twitter randomly. Oh, good for you. Which I did That's back good. in the day. So yeah, I had That's a good, good time. That's good for you. That's great. I, I'm always happy for more followers. I'm gonna I'm gonna push your stuff out. I appreciate I'm that. I'm appreciative you. of any any promotion. I will help you. <laughs> I will help you. It's to help the community. It is to help the larger, greater adoption. Community. Yes, we'll get into that in a bit. Okay, with you we're still rambling specifically. first. We're rambling first okay. about you specifically. Okay, so you're adopted at a year Correct. through Hold. Correct. To Michigan. Yes. To which not the Vanderwood family. That's no. your husband's name. Right, right. So I was adopted by um, my parents, Mike and Carol, who had already adopted a boy. Uh huh. From Korea. From Korea. So he was adopted first. I was adopted a couple of years later. How many years? Gosh, you ask hard questions. I think um, <laughs> two or three years, but my math is not great. Two okay. or three years. So yeah. you're two or three years younger than your Correct. brother. He was 18 months about when I, he was adopted. I was a year. And then, uh, this is all in West Michigan, in Grand Rapids. Uh-huh. Okay. Not in Detroit. Not in Detroit. Not in you. Chattanooga. No. <laughs> not to the Vanderwoods. <laughs> and then I um, 
I was four or five. Uh huh. I was four when my mom had a baby unexpectedly. So they a adopted, biological child. Correct. They adopted due to what they suspected was infertility. Right. And so they um, surprisingly got pregnant. Mm-hmm. Had a baby, my younger brother, um, in April. And then my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, and she died in January. So at that point, we had three different kids, wow. all with different birth mothers, right? Yeah. All with different birth fathers, right? Right. Because it's two adopted kids and my uh-huh. younger brother. And so she died in January. I don't have much memory of that. I kind of wish I did. You know, it's kind of crazy to How think. How old were you? I was five. Mm-hmm. So, like, when I had five-year-olds, I'm like, wow, I wonder if something happened to me. Like, what would they remember? What would they not remember? Yeah. Um... And then my dad remarried, and then um, they also have a child, a biological child together. Okay, so you have so a half. I, yes, good, half-sister. Most getting people good can't make the connection. They're so floored by the adoption and part. Adoptive and adoptive You know, there's so much. There's sister. so much. Um, yes, and so there were four of us growing uh-huh. up. Yep, there were four of us. <clears throat> so you have four siblings now. No, I have three siblings. Three siblings, including yourself, four. your four, four children. I'm second of four. At the four. age of five. Well, she wasn't born yet. Ish. Until I was older. Six. <laughs> seven. Eight. Eight. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm eight. She was born Come when on. I was... I think she was born you when know. I was eight. Eight. Yeah. Eight. So you're eight years older. You should have told me to come prepared with all my I need your entire family history. I should make a genogram for you. You should. <laughs> I don't think you even know what Are that is. Are you on 23andMe? Yes. Do you do all that? Oh, well, I did. I Fit into my tube, and yep. then I sent it in, and then I checked my results once, and I've never checked again. I ha- occasionally have people say, we're related, will you contact uh-huh. me? And I do try to reply, just because I know that that could be very meaningful to Are them. Are you publicly available to I believe to I con- am. To invite? I believe to be I like, am. let's so share sure, our genome? Right. I think, I don't know. It was kind of a want-want moment for me. You know, That there like, was nobody like a no, first cousin? No, I just think it's kind of anticlimactic, like... In Not what that way? I, I don't know. Like, I wanted to do it, but I really didn't care. And so I think I'm, I don't know what I expected, but I'm just like, whatever. Did you, did you use any of their other services? Like, GED, oh, what am, yeah, or yeah. what am I a carrier for or anything like that? I kind of looked into some of that, but I guess it wasn't overly meaningful or impactful to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know it is for some people, and I think that's awesome. I, I feel think like I, was, I go in there for the DNA relatives to see you, if there's anybody. So you want to know that's if you have any it. ancestry. Yeah. Yeah. I did find somebody the other day. I, I just sent. I can't. Remember, this is how much. This is how meaningful it was to me. I don't remember if it was a him or her. I sent somebody an in, uh, invite uh, to share a genome who was a third to sixth cousin who was born in Masan. Okay. I said, that's that's, that's a bit of a decently trail. close. That's right. decently close. Right. Right. We could possibly. And I think uh, that person actually had a, an Americanized or Anglicized name of some sort. And I was like. Who was so an adoptee? Could be an adopted person. Yes, right. I right. think in their profile it did say they were an adoptee. Okay. So I'm like, that inter- could be meaningful. Interesting. Yes. It's yes. possible. Yes. It's not a second cousin or a first cousin, but it's like you know, you never know. Right. Right. I think I would get, of course, very excited about a first or a second cousin. Third is a bit of a stretch for me because mm-hmm. they don't usually say third. They say third to eighth or third to sixth. Exactly. And I'm like, six generations ago. Who knows. That's pushing it. Who knows? You know, that's... Anyways. But yes, I did that, and I kind of forget that I'm even on it. I agree. Um, Yeah. (laughs) You don't have the app. You don't, like, obsessively check. I'm not obsessively looking for ancestors at this point. (laughs) But that could change, right? Absolutely, sure. I think adoptees go through different periods of time, and 
here, you know. I agree. There are other adaptees that might be much more in tune with that right now, mm-hmm. and I think that's great for them. And I think that there's, I'm glad that they have that avenue. Yeah, absolutely. I, I yeah. feel like, uh, like most things, I, people change and their views change. Correct. And there's a lot of people who are like, that doesn't happen. But I, I, I don't know statistically, qual, quantitative, quantitatively. But myself, I'm like, look, my, I know my, I've changed. I know my views have changed, right. uh, given new information mm-hmm. and experience. And so when I, I remember when I was in college, there was an older adoptee that I knew who was, am I boring you with this? I'm boring you with this story. <laughs> <No. one. coughs> we are boring late already. at night right now, but keep going. And he was like, uh, I at the time was like, oh, really into doing a birth search uh-huh, and going uh-huh, to find all that uh-huh. and doing everything. And he was like, probably my age I am now or maybe a little bit younger. And he was just like, over it. He was like, yeah, I don't really have any interest in that. And I was like, mm-hmm. I was so perplexed. I'm like, right. how do you not have right. any interest in that? Like, that right. doesn't make any sense to me uh, that you d- don't want to know who your parents were uh-huh. or what kind of uh-huh. history you have. Blah, blah. And he was just like, you know, at this point, I am who I am. Like, I, okay. I'm comfortable with who I am as a person. And now right. that I'm his age, I'm kind of the same way. I'm like, right. I did the birth search thing, didn't go very far. And at this point in my life, I'm just like, I'm pretty comfortable with who I am as a mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Good for, nah. yeah. yeah. And and there's a bit of, there's a certain amount of empowerment that comes uh, with that. It's just like I don't know how much uh, meeting my birth family would change that mm-hmm. of who mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. Not a whole lot. I, I know I just said like I've changed a lot, but in that per, in that particular instance, I haven't changed. I'm very I'm still very agrarian. Gregarious. Gregarious. Okay. Extroverted. Gregarious is what Gregarious. For. That's what I meant. Okay. Gregarious. Yep. Gregarious. Mm-hmm. Outgoing guy. Uh-huh. Um, and that, that hasn't changed. I'm like, well, at this point, I'm not sure uh, how much uh, that kind of personality stuff would actually change for me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, I, I don't know what your changing views, if you've had any changing views on, on who you are, your birth search, or finding family. Have you done a birth search? Yeah. You know, I think it's so interesting. I don't... I think adoptees, you know, obviously we go through different stages and phases, and I don't think there's a right or a wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so much has to do with our own temperament yeah, and the way our parents raise us mm-hmm. and the openness or lack thereof of conversation about race, culture, birth, family, adoption. I think so much of that plays into it. Um, you know, for myself... I didn't actually think a ton about my birth parents growing up. I mean, I'm sure I did. I'm sure I mentioned it sometimes, but I don't remember it being this um, everyday need Mm -hmm. to find out who my birth parents were. And I know for others, it was more of a a constant in their lives. Um, There is no right or wrong there. I think sometimes adoptive parents feel like there's this, you know, they get a gold star if their kids... (laughs) don't think about their birth parents too much or don't want to search or if they do want to search, you know, there's just no grading system for that. It's yeah. just we are who we are. Right. And there's no right or wrong about it um, unless we are being squashed or squandered or forced into something. Or ignored. Right. right? So, yeah, totally, or dismissed. Um, anyways, all this to say, went back to Korea for the first time knowing that I had no birth date, I had no finding place, I had very little. And so I did meet with a social worker at Holt, Mm-hmm. Um, we looked into my file. The file didn't have a lot of information in it. Um, and I think at that point, there was this crazy recollection of like, 
wow, like my first year of life is on like an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. And just kind Most of, of that was probably like medical information. Yeah, or and probably very... things that were also written on everyone else's files. Right. <laughs> so there was this awareness like, well, that's pretty sad that someone's entire 12 months of life could be on an eight and a half by 11. Um, anyways, and so I knew at that point that a search was going to be hard because mm-hmm. I had nothing to go on. Yeah. There's no identifying information about family. I mean, like I said arrived on the earth somehow. Um, I um, have this scar on my nose. Okay. Okay, see that? I see it. I have a scar on my nose. Plenty of people ask me what it's from. It took me a minute. I didn't, did it take you a minute? It did. Don't tell me you didn't notice earlier. I didn't notice. Or I thought it was maybe like a hair. <laughs> I don't know what is worse. You thought I had a hair growing out of my nose? Not out of your nose, on your Like it was a loose hair on your nose. It, it was a rogue hair from your head that had like somehow... Eclipse the the top of your nose. Okay. <laughs> I have not heard that one before. I didn't I think it was a scar. All okay, that. so I have the scar. <laughs> All that to say is if I were to search, I would have this decently identifying information. Because, You've always had that? Because what baby at two months of age has this circular round scar on their nose? So that's been forever. That's as far as I know. So then, you know, I meet someone and someone says, hey, how do you get that scar on your nose? And I basically have to say, I have no clue. I was found that way at yeah, two months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, so if I did do a search... It would be hard, you know, and I know mm-hmm. that TV show that used to exist in Korea that I could have oh, yeah. gotten on that's yep. no longer on. Anyways, fast forward, I've been to Korea a few times, several times. I, this last time I went to Korea in June, I went back to my orphanage. I had already been there twice before, so this was my ch- third trip to the orphanage. I know the nun there. Um, we have a great time together. And so while we were just sitting there around the table, she wanted me to fill out some paperwork. I think she had given it to me ahead of time. Um, She has this desire to connect adoptees with their first families, their Korean families. Oh, okay. So she asked me to fill out some paperwork, and she was going to put it in some newspaper because she has a connection at the newspaper, yada, yada. I did that for her, no problem, fully knowing there's a .00007% chance or whatever. You know, not a whole lot invested there. We're sitting around there. She's like, well, you know, we could also maybe do DNA. So she whisks me away in this van to the police station (laughs) where I get swabbed and, you know, I leave my DNA at the Daegu police Uh station. Who knows if it ever even gets processed? I mean, I don't know what happens. Sure, yeah. I don't put a whole lot of stock into it. Uh Um, It's not really even on my radar. So anyways, all this to say, where I am now in my life, having children, having living here with commitments and a lot going on, Knowing that my chance of finding is so low, it's hard for me to desire to invest any kind of time, energy into this process. It's like in the back of your mind. You know, if I had identifying information about mom and dad, Mm -hmm. if I had an actual known birthday, if I knew where I was found, if I had a little more of a trail, so to speak, about my existence, I think that I would maybe be able to prioritize a search a little bit more. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? No, totally. I think I'm just weighing my possible outcome with You're being realistic process. about it. There's no yeah. lead. If you were in a cop show, there'd be no leads. It's a cold case, cold. except for the scar. It's a colder case. Which it's I thought coldest. was a hair. It's the coldest case. That's more significant than a hair on your nose. It is. If it you is. gave somebody a picture, it was like, this is a picture of me with a hair on my nose, it'd be like, that could be anybody. Yeah. But a scar makes that it, you've had for I so mean, long. I mean, I could put posters up and... All over Daegu if I really <clears throat> wanted to. I don't know if I want to do that. I will say there was also sure. a time in my life where I'm like, how degrading that I have to go on TV to find my 
family. Yeah, no, like I, this is a universal right for people mm-hmm. to know who their parents are. And I have to put myself out in that way. And there was a part of me that didn't sure. want to go there. And there's a certain pride. amount of spectacle attached pride, to it. You know, some of it's my pride and some of it's not wanting to buy into that system. Um, yeah. We've all seen the knowing, K-dramas. Yeah. Full knowing that some of my closest friends have taken that route, you know, or some of my other. Right. Yeah. We are all just have different desires because we're all unique individuals. Mm-hmm. So that's where I am right now with search. Um, I feel like I could die and not know my birth parents and I would be okay. And I know people feel differently about that and that's where I am today. Maybe 10 years from now, I'm going to have some huge surge in interest and want to search more. Um, Again, that's fluid. It is. It changes. It is. There's no right or wrong. I agree. Okay. All right. Well, how was it growing up in Dearborn? Was that your? Is that the only exposure? Did you just say Dearborn? I said Dearborn, but I really meant Detroit. Are you kidding me? And by Detroit, I really meant Chattanooga. (laughs) You know why I'm thinking about that? Because I like I uh, search through the stats sometimes. Uh Who listens to my podcast? And I have listeners in Dearborn. Good, good. I hope that you really diversify the audience all over. I don't know anything about Dearborn either. Listeners in Korea. Every now and then, okay. yeah. Every so now and then, I'll see Korea come up. Perhaps. Uh, I hope so. Well, okay. we've had some uh, people on the show who uh, live in Korea, so I'm hoping that okay. they are subscribers. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I hope. Okay. They're um, all in and around Seoul. Nobody from Daegu or Masan. Or well, you know, Busan. when I go to Daegu this summer, I will go ahead and you're going to download. From Appreciate there, it. So you can get another blip on <laughs> if, the map. If your phone brings it up ever. If Yeah, we had that problem earlier. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, okay, so how was it growing up in Michigan, in western Grand Rapids, Michigan? Yeah, growing up in Michigan, in some ways, I was just kind of this typical all-American girl, so to speak, right? Like the TV show? Was there a TV show? There was, with Margaret Cho. Do you remember that one? Oh, yeah. Was it called All-American Girl? It was called All-American Girl. Okay, I did not mean to... That was not a <laughs> reference to All-American Girl. It was a subliminary all. reference. You yeah, didn't even know. It was subconscious. Um, so you grew up I mean, as an think, All-American Girl. Yeah. I mean, I think pretty typical. I grew up in this community where I went to the same elementary school, middle school that we all fed into. Then I transferred to a different middle school, and then we all fed into the same high school. I grew up in a predominantly white... Um, White neighborhood, mm-hmm. white community. Is that how Grand Rapids is, um, generally? Probably where I lived, in the suburbs mm-hmm. um, of Grand Rapids. Yeah, it was decently white. I had my older brother, who's Korean. Um, yeah. I'm going to ask you a question, okay. which may or may not be awkward. And I feel like this has come up recently more often than I expected it to. Uh, but I feel like I've been seeing. Maybe it's because I just joined that Korean American adoptees group on Facebook, and there's okay. a, it's a very busy group. It's a very busy group. There are a lot of busy adoptee groups on Facebook. Yes, but this one for some reason I, I feel like it's come up more often lately. I'm not sure why, but it's like, did have you uh, growing up in a predominantly white community? Um, did you ever feel like you were white? Did you ever identify as white? Did you ever identify as white or want to be white or both and? Both and or. Okay, I did feel white. You did feel white. Yeah, I think that I've heard several adoptees say that. You feel white sure. until you glimpse yourself in the mirror. I Yeah, I felt that way, And for I sure. think it's because when you are who you are, you are looking outward, right? Mm-hmm. I don't walk around with a mirror yep. knowing that I'm Asian. So, yes, I grew up thinking I was white because I was surrounded by mostly white people. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a disconnect there in your sense of self at some <clears> point. Um, yeah, 
I felt like. Do you feel like uh, you were treated any differently by your peers growing up in elementary and middle school? Or you know, different... we've all probably had those instances of name calling sure. or stereotypes based on being the model minority mm-hmm. or um, name calling, you know. Um, the eyes. Pulling back the eyes. I mean, I just had that as an adult last year. So I'm Get out of here. Some... <laughs> um, what? Yeah. In Indianapolis? Kids, yeah, some kids pulled their eyes back at me. Um, I just last night at the YMCA, I was working out at the Y, and a man put his hands together and bowed to me. What the fuck? I know, it was bizarre. And I told my husband, I'm like, do you think he did that because I was Asian? Which I full know. <laughs> which I full know. Is that a real question you asked I know. But sometimes... <laughs> You still want to give that person the benefit of the doubt. I don't know if you do, but I I, st- I know you don't. <laughs> and here's the thing. If I were you listening to me, I would be like, exactly your response, you know? But when you're the person that's that's happening to, I still have this little desire. But if someone, if my friend told me that happened to them, sure, yeah. you know, no doubt it's because you're Asian. Yeah. Um, you know, my husband, of course, <laughs> laughed. He's like, uh, yeah, I think that's because you're Asian. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, things still happen. Um. Well, well, the okay. only because I asked because we were when you said earlier like you don't walk around with a mirror in front of you. It was uh-huh. like sometimes when you're a kid, and this is not uh, as far as I can recall, not been my experience. But you don't have to because other people will hold yes. that mirror up to yes, you. Yes, absolutely. Well, your sense of self comes. It's often constantly being shoved in your from face. What are sometimes the people, how other people respond. To sure. You. Yes. So on that, yes. On the other side is people reacting to you based on your Asian face and your Korean eyes. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a lot of that. Um, Questions, name-calling. You know, I hate that this even happened, and I guess I, you know, my husband and I, when we were moving, we moved several times in the first few years of our marriage, and we were, like, unpacking. And somehow we came across my 7th and 8th grade yearbooks. Mm-hmm. Why anyone would want to go back and look at those? Why I do you have know. those? Even why do I even still have them? <laughs> Memories. Mine would be in Grand Rapids if I were you. <laughs> so I opened it up, and I read it, and it says, "You know, everyone signs it. It says, Dear Chang," and I'm like, "Who the heck is Chang?" Because I kind of, I guess, blocked it out of my memory, and then it just all came flooding back to me that that was my nickname for two years. Your nickname was Chang for two years, and you totally forgot about that. Yes. Was that something that you accepted as your nickname? Yes, because you want to fit in, you want to have friends, you don't want to be the oversensitive Asian and make a big deal about it. Uh And I'm a pretty, I mean, I guess, who knows what I was like in seventh grade. I can't imagine right now putting up with that name. Right. Uh, Never in a million years. I mean, actually, last night when that guy bowed down to me, um, when I passed him again um, by the weights, I almost confronted him and said something to him. Yeah, that's what I do. Um, That's because I'm from Jersey, and I think I'm a little bit of a dick when it comes to that. Well, you know, I wanted to say something. I totally wanted to say something. Um, Anyways, yes. So moving into college, you know, my college roommate. Where'd you go to college? In Grand Rapids, who's a dear friend now, you know, made some comment about, oh, I didn't know my roommate was going to be Oriental. Or, you know, you just, we all have these (laughs) things. And I think I just said, I'm not a you know what yeah I'm not of, a vase some kind of comeback line sure. that we've all gotten used to so yes those things happen sometimes I feel very disgruntled about it sometimes it's just par for the course and I could mm. care less but I don't want to I don't want them to consume me but I also don't want to not care because I believe that these things do matter yeah and that we should care about these things because they're blatantly wrong yeah sure. and I don't want to teach my kids to allow it Mm-hmm. But on the flip side is right, 
you don't want it to control you. And yeah, I think yeah, now I as think a parent, that's a lot of it too. Balancing both of it, mm-hmm. naming what is wrong. Um, yeah. Well, I think sometimes, and and uh, an adult, I think it's easier to say this than as a child when you're. You, it's not only you. Everybody's trying to navigate identity as a as a teenager, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody's trying to fit in, and everybody's trying not to be overly sensitive. But also, the hormones and the chemicals are imbalanced. <laughs> but now it's like, uh, yeah, I think what it comes down to is a sense of agency, mm-hmm. right? It's like how much control are you going to take over of your life, and are you going to confront that guy or not? I mean, like me. Uh, so what happened to me was a couple of years ago, uh, some guy on the street randomly was like, I feel like it was across the street. Like he was across the street from me or something. And he was like, Konnichiwa. Oh, please. And I've I was like, plenty of times. I was just like, Konnichiwa, ni hao. I'm yeah. Every, yeah. I was like, yeah. the fuck did you just say? And he was like, I was just trying to be nice, man. And I was like, I'm not Japanese, dick. <laughs> So you verbally said these things, not just thought them in your head. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And his response was? I I think he was just like, I was just trying to be a nice guy. And I was just like, not everybody's Japanese, man. Like, and that kind of ended the conversation. But I was just like, why? Right. Why would you even assume that? Right. Right. Yeah. It's just so crazy to me. I mean, even the other night, uh... I was having dinner at the, uh, the the Grand Hyatt Indianapolis, where we are right now, the Hyatt Regency, and they have this restaurant at the at the top. It's a rotating Eagle's uh, Nest. Yeah, the Eagle's Nest. It's one of these rotating restaurants. Right. I've never been in one of those. So I was like, yeah, I'll try that out. <laughs> I need to eat dinner. And the uh, the waiter said to me, nice guy, he was like, oh, sir, you look like one of my all time favorite actors. And of course, I'm like, oh, oh, really? Who who do I remind you of? Please enlighten me. I'm so excited to hear. And he was like, Bruce Lee. No, he didn't. He said Bruce Lee. Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't. I mean, like, so this is the quandary I found myself in. Usually, uh, so I lost a bit of weight. I used to be a little bit chunkier. Okay. And uh, I used to get Jackie Chan all the time because of the two... Uh, uh, modern Asian actors in film growing up, it was either Jackie Chan or Jet Li, and I sure as shit didn't look like Jet Li. <clears throat> so I usually got Jackie Chan, also because okay. uh, I think he was goofier and I'm pretty goofy. Okay. Uh, so when I heard Bruce Lee, I was kind of like, come on, man. I don't look anything like Is Bruce that what Lee. You said to him? No, I didn't. I was just okay. like, thank you. Okay. And I just think, wanted the conversation to be over. Yeah. And yeah. I think he got it because he was like, I, I meant, don't take that the wrong way. I meant that as a compliment. And I was just like, it's fine. It's fine. Thank, Have you heard that one before? No, Not I've never Bruce heard Bruce Lee before. Well, chalk it up to Indianapolis. And so, A, I, I was kind of happy because Bruce Lee's the man. But B, I was kind of like, dude, I don't look anything like Bruce Lee. Like, what? No, come on. I know. I know. I was called Connie Chung, of course. Of course. And then... You know, I've been called Lucy Liu, or who's the other? Which, obviously, I look nothing like her. <laughs> you you <laughs> look like Lucy other? Liu, like I look like Bruce Lee. I know, and I'm like, really? <clears throat> um, yeah, some things are just, you can't explain it. Yeah, I And don't I know. think sometimes people just want to say something to you, or they want to affirm you in some way, because they notice that you're different, and so calling me Lucy Liu might be a compliment. In their when, eyes, it's a compliment. Correct. But really, it's just like, dude... We don't look anything... Correct. Not all Asians look alike. Yeah. Um, Lucy Liu, who's the other that I get called? I don't um, know. 
<laughs> I don't either, because there's not very many Asian actresses on prime Well, Asian actors in general, right? Right. Both actors and actresses. But there's one other. I forget, but I've also been called her. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, maybe Sandra Oh? Did you no, that not one? Sandra Oh. I haven't heard Sandra Oh. At least she's Korean. No. There's a Chinese, another um, Chinese actress. I feel like they should be easily at our grasp. I know, but I'm not really so into few. all that. I know. There are so few. <laughs> there are so few. Oscar's so white. I knew it was going to move right into the Oscars conversation and the Asian kids that were brought out. Well, yeah, I don't honestly want to talk too much about it. I feel like enough <laughs> has been said about that issue. Nothing has been said or enough has been enough said? Enough has been okay, said. Okay, yes. Enough yes, has been said. Yes. There, I mean, commentary on every every side of it. And mm-hmm. some, if I were to be completely honest, I'm kind of over it right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, like, we'd love to just, talk about it. Let's, let's move on. Let's just move on Let's move it. on. What else should we talk about? So what did you study in college? You went to Grand Rapids? What, is it social Grand Rapids work. College? I, went to social, I have a degree in social work. and um, What brought you to study social work? You know, I think a lot of life experiences, right? I started out as an English major mm-hmm. and really love English, really love grammar, mm-hmm. love diagramming sentences. Are you a grammar Nazi? Ask my husband. I'm a grammar Nazi. I think it's fun. Don't feel bad about I it. I think it's fun. I love being like, where's your comma? This is a serial comma you need right here. This I had sentence an excellent doesn't make any sense. eighth grade English teacher, okay? <laughs> this is and a proper I use really of a semicolon. <laughs> that I really loved. Yeah, I love that. So anyway, start out English, and then I think... A series of events in my life, right? Like, I've had a lot of interesting things happen to me in my life. Has just led... Like what? What are you thinking of right now? I'm thinking of adoption. I'm thinking of death. I'm thinking of being a different race than my nuclear mm-hmm. family. Um, all of those things okay. have kind of just led me into this desire to want to understand other people, right? Mm-hmm. And want to well understand them and know them and... Um, yeah, so I think that kind of led me into social work. I don't think I had any idea what social work was growing up. Um, no exposure. Maybe I did, but I don't know. Anyways, just like my husband's an engineer, I had no idea what an engineer did growing up. I thought they all like conducted trains. Do you know what an engineer does now? Hardly. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> he makes buildings stand up. Oh, okay. Is he like a, stru- a structural engineer? You know engineering. You just named it. Well, engineering can mean several different it things. It can. Right? It can. But okay. th- that specifically sounds like structural engineering. It does. Very good. <laughs> I will go home and tell him that tonight. Yes. Um, He'll be so happy, I bet. He will be happy. I think he will. Um, so I did a little medical social work. <clears throat> I worked in a hospital for a while. Okay. Loved it. What did that entail? That entailed um, visiting patients who were there and helping them with discharge planning, social supports. Um, enjoyed that. Did that very short-lived mm-hmm. because we moved to Lafayette. And I worked in three rural counties west of Lafayette, Tippecanoe County, and did healthy families. So I did home visits to um, mothers' homes, and these mothers were um, assessed for having a risk of child abuse and child neglect. Mm. And so taught parenting skills, child development. Mind you, I, have no, I had no kids at the time. Did that for a while. Then I worked in gerontology for a while, home visits, loved it. And then I worked at an adoption agency for six or seven years. So which adoption agency did you so work at? For a very large adoption agency that you would have heard of, um, Bethany Christian Services. I've never heard of that. Come on. They're linked with Holt. It's no, very large. Nothing. Okay. Okay. Headquartered, That's okay. Headquartered in Grand Rapids, satellite offices all over the country. Okay. Yep. 
So what did you do for them? So I worked as an adoption social worker, adoption specialist. Mm -hmm. I worked with families who were coming to Bethany and desiring to adopt, either domestically, internationally, walked them through the home study, did their assessments, provided education, did post placements, wrote a lot of reports. How was that? You know, it was an interesting job. It was very interesting. I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. I had already volunteered there, speaking on some adoptee panels and whatnot. Um, it was very eye-opening to me yeah. um, to kind of see the system of adoption, the institution of adoption from an agency level. Uh-huh. And I started seeing it not just as adoption, what that means for me, but kind of seeing it at a macro level and seeing how it impacted all kinds of people. And then I also saw a little bit of the agency side in terms of... Um, it being a business, right? Mm-hmm. So I saw that side of it. Um, I met some really great people. I worked with some great people. It was, you know, both and. You just see a lot. And I think being an adoptee at an adoption agency is a very unique thing. Yeah, of course. Very unique thing. So did you have any conflicting feelings about that while you were working there? Or what kind of what kind of different views did you have going in and then during it? And are you still doing that kind of no, work? No, I resigned about three years ago. <clears throat> okay. Um, mostly because I mean there were several reasons why some family stuff just like it was time for me to be home more because mm-hmm, I sure. worked a lot at night. So my husband oh, would yeah. work all day. Then yep. I'd have home study assessments at night. And so it was just time for me to put on the brakes. And then yeah. also during that time, I think I really realized that we're providing this education right now pre, on a pre-adoptive um, timetable. However, as you know, adoption and adoption stuff doesn't end when you get home with your child. What? It's at 10 years. It's at 20 years. It's at, you know, all the way through the life. And so I realized that these parents and adoptees need more in terms of education. And so Mm -hmm. I really then kind of gravitated toward wanting to focus on that. Um, Yeah, adoption is so complicated. It's complex. There's a lot of ethical issues. Yeah. Um, It's more than just baby needs a family, and so let's find a family. Right. And, you know, we could talk about It'd be so great if it were that simple. I know. And I I know. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about that for a week straight, all the complexities and the ethics of it all. And Mm -hmm. does the... You know, does the end justify the means or vice versa? And huh, well, that, and that gets very political and obviously emotionally charged. It and, does. It yeah, does. I don't want to divide the listeners or the speakers or anything like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, obviously the people have a certain point of view regarding mm-hmm. those issues. Mm-hmm. And I think I just really understood some of those issues more. I've come up with no good solution, right? I have no good solution. Right. It's None hard. Of us do. It's, it's a hard. hard problem to and solve. And without kind of scrapping it all and starting all over, which is totally impossible. Right. right? We can't do that. Yeah, you can't do it at this point. Um, It'd be really hard to reconstruct. Sure. And so what do I want to be involved in? Um, And here I am. I'm an adoptive parent. So I also sit on that side of Mm -hmm. choosing to adapt, adopting two children. Um, There was a lot of adoption going on in my life. (laughs) No kidding. Adoption social worker, adoptee, adoptive parent. Right. Yeah. So now you do mostly education. Correct. For Correct. mostly adoptive parents, prospective adoptive parents? Both, yep, both. So I was just in Wisconsin this past weekend, and I gave a session on how to talk with kids about adoption, mm-hmm. right? That sounds like it should be really easy, one-on-one, but a lot of... I don't think so. You don't, I don't think, think so? That, yeah, I don't think that's a one-on-one. I used to, because I used to do uh, the home studies, and I used to do some speaking work for you Spence You used to work Chapin. for an agency? 
I never worked for an agency. But you did the home studies? How can you they, do that? Because uh, they would pull Dottie's in through the AKA's Speakers Bureau and the forums. Oh, so you're speaking on panels. I did some panels, but okay. I also did like, oh, we need an adoptee to come speak to prospective adoptive okay. parents. Okay, okay. Kind of I was thinking that you were actually doing No, no, the no. Home I'm, certainly, I don't mean to allege okay. that I was ever a social worker <laughs> and being put in that position and be like, these guys would be great parents. No, yeah. no, 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 no. If only it were that easy. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, no, God. I mean, then we wouldn't have gotcha. half of the issues that we have with some parents who were like, oh, I don't really like this kid from Russia. I'm just going to send him back on the plane. It did happen, didn't it? Absolutely. It, and it's. Hor- it's horrifying, but also I understand like when you not like you can do that with a birth child, right? You can't just be like I'm out of here, like unless you're putting them for adoption, I guess. But you can't send them on a plane back to wherever. But it's like that obviously happens. Nobody signed up thinking that they were going to get a kid and being like I'm going to send this kid back on a plane. Yeah, I don't think parents go. I do not think most parents go into adoption thinking if this doesn't work out, I'm just going to disrupt or dissolve right. this adoption. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. But there's just so many complexities therein that lead to. I mean, there's complexities in parenthood. Absolutely. Right? Magnified. Regardless of the situation that you're being put in in parenthood, mm-hmm. whether you chose to or not, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but yeah, so I did, I did some, some work doing that kind of stuff. So what, Talking, what, speaking. Speaking right. mostly. Speaking engagements is what, how I would put it. Okay. So yes, this weekend I talked with parents about talking with their kids about adoption, gave them some tools, gave them some underlying principles, gave them some words, Mm -hmm. gave them some do's and do nots. And then I also gave a short session just on some of the complexities of being an adoptee, Mm -hmm. just to kind of get their minds thinking about... That's usually where I came in. (laughs) Yes, right. But this is beyond black or white. Yeah, absolutely. And you need to be okay with that. Some people are not okay with beyond black or white because they Mm -hmm. want to fix... Or because we like to just assign people into boxes. Because it make, exactly. It's a lot easier that way. People want the baby book. The baby T- book. Tell what me do what to then? do. What to expect when you're expecting. Mm-hmm. What to expect Bad when you're book. adopting. Terrible book. Yeah. It, well, right. For those exact reasons, mm-hmm. right? Because parenting is not black and white. I'm not, not a parent. I'm not it's a parent. Not. I'm not going to allege that I'm a parent. But you're a parent. I'm a parent. Right? Mm-hmm. Is it black and white? No. Everything is gray. There's a lot of and gray. many there colors. There is some right or wrong, but there's a lot of gray, many colors, different kids, and so much of it is us as parents. Like we have to dig in deep and think about our own stuff. Sure. Because I know that my own stuff comes into how I parent my children. Mm-hmm. Um, adoption stuff or just stuff in general? Stuff in general. Yeah. I'm sure you know. I do think about my adoption stuff. That I don't ever want to put certain things on my kids, mm-hmm. um, or I don't want them to feel like they're you know so in the spotlight because I go around educating about adoption or that I've got it all together or have all the answers. I don't ever want to use them as props or as mm-hmm. stories, you know. So um, I think I'm very cognizant of that. Um, you know, Mark and I we've been married for I think four or five years. We started thinking about kids. We knew that we wanted kids. We had never mm-hmm. really talked about adoption much, as far as I recall. Um, and then I had already been working for this agency, so I had been reading about, you know, I'd lived the experience, but now I'm reading about attachment, reading a little bit about trauma, more about racial identity, mm-hmm. um, reading about some adoption, post-adoption stuff. And I just got to thinking, and I'm like, we love kids. We want to have children. Mm-hmm. We understand some of this stuff. We want to understand some of this stuff. We're willing, you know, I hate to say willing to go the extra mile because I don't want to put us up on a pedestal, but we're willing to get some of these complexities. Our kids would have a Korean parent, a same race parent. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to think about adopting. 
And so we chose at that point to adopt and to not have biological kids. So, I mean, making that decision was, it just seemed natural for you is what it sounds like. It did. It seemed like a natural end. It was, and I didn't have a tremendous amount of loss going into this. So what you said you were talking to when you educate parents, Mm -hmm. the do's and do not, what are the most common questions do you think that you get from uh, adoptive parents or prospective adoptive parents at these at these speaking engagements you know I sometimes hear like basically bottom line and not these words but how do I fix this how do you fix what the pain my child's going through how do you fix this situation where she has a sensitive history that's going to might be hard for her to hear uh-huh. and so how do I not hurt her how do okay. I, how do I, yeah, really it's how do I keep my child from pain mm-hmm. is often a lot of it. My child's in pain or I know my child is going to experience pain. How do I make sure that he or she does not? Yeah. Well, what do you, how do you respond to that? Well, you know, I think as parents, none of us want our kids to hurt, right? I mean, isn't that the whole movie Inside Out? I haven't watched that one either. Oh my God, you have to watch it. <laughs> That's a great movie. But yes, that's that's the movie yeah. Inside Out, basically. is that Right. We don't want our kids to experience pain. And when they do, we want to slap on a Band-Aid. Yeah. And so... You want... It's, I think it's a natural parental ins- instinct to protect yes. your child. And that is not inherently a bad thing. No, it's not. Right? And so... On the face of it. Right. But with adoption, as with other complicated circumstances or um, non-universal experiences or experiences that are born in tragedy, like adoption would not mm-hmm. occur if things are going real dandy in someone's first family, right? Um, so explaining to parents that really, I don't know that that is our best question. How can I fix, right? Cause there are uh, no fixes necessarily, right? but how can we help our children cope yeah. with some of these, um, circumstances, events, big feelings in their life. Mm -hmm. How can we um, be the safe person for our kids to explore that with and process it with? Yeah. Because I think sometimes adoptees don't feel safe coming to their parents for a variety of reasons, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want to hurt our adoptive parents. Sure. Um, We don't have the words. We don't know what to say because we're still figuring it out on our own Mm -hmm. Um, for ourselves. Even now as an adult, I don't have the words for some of it. We're scared of how we'll be perceived. Are we not seen as, you know, are we no longer the th- being thankful? Or is my mom going to send me to therapy if I say I want to meet my birth yeah. mom? You know, there's a lot of... Are we not being good kids? Are we not being good kids? Um, some loyalty there. Yeah, it's just so... There's various, various... If I do a birth search, am I betraying my parents? No. Yeah, I know some adoptees, of course, who are waiting until they're adopted adoptive parents pass away before they will choose to search because they're afraid of hurting their adoptive parents. So um, how as adoptive parents can we be the ones that initiate this conversation Uh and show that it's on our minds too so that our kids will see us as someone with whom they can have these conversations Mm -hmm. because it's not a taboo topic. It's not something wrong that happened. It's just a reality of who we are as an adoptive family. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I, I agree Makes with sense. that. What is your what is, is that your response, or do you have any other advice? I mean, I think that's the, one, some of the biggest questions, I guess. Yeah, and I guess you know you can explain that in a lot of ways and give some examples and give some, you know, framework for understanding why kids would think A, B, C, or D. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is probably one of the most common questions: is how can I keep my kids from pain? Um, yeah. What would you want to tell uh, adoptive parents 
that you usually don't get in one of these sessions. How about come to one of these sessions? (laughs) (laughs) Do you think there's a lack of awareness about uh, adoptive parents and 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 these sessions going on and speaking engagements going on that they're that they're, they're not aware of? Yeah, I don't know. You know, these days with social media and the internet, I mean, you kind of have to be living under a rock, right? I don't know. I mean, I, know, there's also a lot of information and noise out there as well. There is. There's also yeah. There's a lot of competing things going on. Right. Um, and as a parent, I, you should you should know parents are very busy. Parents are busy. There's a ton of stuff going parents on in your busy. life and your kid's life. So it might not be the most present thing, right? I would like to think that in 2016, hopefully we're doing a better job educating than we were 30 or 40 years ago. I would hope so. I would hope so. And um, I would love for parents not to believe that it is a weakness to seek parenting information Mm -hmm. in terms of adoptee identity, racial identity. That is not a weakness. You can be a most amazing person, a really awesome parent, and still benefit from learning more about adoption or about how these things interplay in your life, right? Mm-hmm. I know I keep learning um, about myself, about parenting, about adoption, and I think that'll only only continue. Um, but I would urge parents to do it sooner than later, right? You don't mm-hmm. want to have an yeah. 18-year-old and all of a sudden be in a crisis and say, I wish that I really would have learned more or talked to my kid more back then. Or even worse, have your kid be in a crisis, right? That yeah, whole thing that you were trying I mean. to protect yeah. them through the whole time, right. and it turns out by overly protecting them, right. you've now not allowed them to explore or expose themselves to these other things. Right. That now they all of a sudden, as an adult, they need to deal yeah, with. Yeah, and I want my kids to deal with that when they're under my roof still, right? Sure. Like I want my kids to start thinking about race, to start thinking about adoption, to start thinking about loss and tragedy while they're still with me under my roof where I can have those conversations with them. Yeah. As opposed to being on a college campus at the age of 20 thinking, oh my gosh, I'm really Asian. Oh my goodness, someone really didn't want me. And all of a sudden I feel very isolated. I feel alone. isolated. I feel abandoned. What, what, what have I been living for these past 20 years? Who am I? And right. of course, I can't prevent that. My kids still might feel those things, no matter what I'm conversing about at home. But I hope to give my kids more of a cognitive and emotional framework for understanding some of these things safely and yeah. questioning their past. Absolutely. And so I will bring that up with my kids often mm-hmm. um, because it's just who we are. It's not a secret. And it's not something that we're only going to talk about on Mother's Day or that we're only going to talk about on family day or all of those, you know, days that adoptive parents observe. <laughs> and so just like we're a family who lives downtown, we live in Indianapolis and we like to travel or we like sports, we're also an adoptive family. And so those conversations need to be as natural, not just for them, but for me and my husband too, so that we can get comfortable with them. Is there a limit? Do you think there's too much that a parent could do? Right. You, you, know, know, you know when like parents that give their kids the uh, the sex talk like five years after it's already happened? <laughs> do you think there's a limit or it's too much? Uh, going out like you're overexposing your kid or you're trying to force them to go to Taekwondo and they're like, I'm done with this. Right, right. So I think there's a couple ways to look at it. Um, Yes, you know, I don't wake up my kids saying, guess what, you were adopted, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And I don't put them to bed every night saying, guess what, you know, you were adopted. Um, But if you can't remember the last time you talked about it, it's probably been too long, Mm -hmm. right? 
And I'm not saying it has to be some big sit down at the kitchen table talk because none of us actually want that, mm. right? No one wants to get called to the kitchen table <laughs> to talk about anything. Yeah. You know, so I'm talking about just natural, open conversations where you might just mention a Korean parent or mention um, adoption or mention something about their race or something mm. about their appearance and that you're making it a topic of conversation. Um, kids make, parents make their kids do a lot of things that they don't want to, right? Absolutely, yeah. So sure. I think of, you know, parents who say that, that they don't want to push culture on their kids. I think about, well, you're pushing ballet and you're pushing science camp and yeah, you're pushing absolutely. piano lessons. And so, okay, if you don't want to push something, I get that, but just kind of consider the rest of the context of your choices for your children. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think in some ways it's a fine, you know, it's a dance that, you know what, maybe your kid's going to go to Korean language school for a few years and they really want to take a semester off and you're going to honor that for a semester. I say, don't then assume that he never wants to learn about it again. Maybe reintroduce it a little later or mm-hmm. ask them or touch base or start it up again, make it a family affair, whatever. But, um, yeah, you know, parents can go overboard about a lot. Sure. But I do think that most parents, the parents I meet often will go overboard with culture, right? Mm-hmm. They'll want to do everything Chinese culture or everything Ethiopian culture, but they fail to talk about race mm. or they fail to talk about grief and loss. Yeah. Because culture is very possible and available to celebrate and to talk about. Yeah. Right? And it's pretty safe. Yeah. For the sure. most part. I mean, sure, parents can get uncomfortable doing those things, but it's decently safe. But talking about race, racial identity, discrimination, white privilege, that is not as comfortable. Mm-hmm. And talking about grief and loss, talking about, you know, I share my kids with another set of parents, that's not as comfortable. Yeah. Talking about your possible, if you've had your own infertility, and that's why you adopted a child, that's not very comfortable. Yeah, those are hard subjects Those are to hard approach. subjects. And are, I mean, there's also age appropriateness to take into Absolutely. consideration as well. Are they are they emotionally prepared to handle those things I think things sometimes yet? kids are more emotionally prepared than we think. I, I agree with that. I right? feel like, Because as yes. parents, we want to protect. Oh, they're not ready to hear that yet. And I agree. <laughs> You're not going to launch into all of it when they're six. Sure. But by the time they're 10, 12... Yeah. They can handle a lot of this. And in fact, it's easier to tell them now as opposed to when they start building their adolescent identity mm-hmm. and you tell them some of these things and it's going to yeah, be like a ton of bricks as opposed to when they're younger, giving them the words, knowing that you're giving them this cognitive framework, the emotions might come later, but at least they have the name, the words to kind of name some of this stuff. Right. Right? So with my kids, it's talking to them about just using the words Asian and Korean and what does that mean mm-hmm. and race and talking about that. They have no idea in some ways all of the contextual stuff, right? But that's yeah. going to come. But at least then, you know, when they're in the playground and someone says, why are you Asian, right? Or are you one of those Asian people? At least they've heard the word before yeah. so that they have context and they're not totally powerless yeah. over that. You're laying the base down for We're them. laying some foundation. Yeah. You know, and we're going to keep checking in with those kids because kids believe a whole lot of stuff. We say one thing, they hear it a different way. Mm-hmm. And so we have to keep those conversations going to correct misconceptions. Adoption's really complicated at a young age, right? I, I mean, I think it's complicated at any age. It is, but think of a young kid who sees a pregnant lady, who knows what a family is, who knows most of their friends look like their parents. Then think of the adopted child right? who is seeing all that, and their family is very different. It's like those adopted kids who say, I wasn't adopted, or I wasn't born, I was just adopted, you know, because they don't ever hear about that part. Yeah. So open communication. I think we all want that, but how do we do it? That's the big takeaway. That's the big piece of advice I think that uh, you would give is just be open with your communication. 
yeah. and, and deal with those hard, be, be ready to face those hard conversations. Be willing conversations. to go places that you probably never thought you'd go with, mm-hmm. go with your children on, you know, those questions and be willing to sit in the pain and the unknown. Be comfortable with the unknown, be comfortable with the complexity, be comfortable with your child feeling one way one day, a different way the next day. And then take your own personal stuff out of it. This is this is not a personal slight against you, if your child has questions about his or her first family. Well, I think people, a lot of adoptive parents, do feel that way that they might be offended mm-hmm. or feel a little bit betrayed. Mm-hmm. That like, oh, their kids now are old enough; they want to do a birth search, or they're mm-hmm. being inquisitive about their mm-hmm. birth family. It's so interesting to me, you know, because we grew up in this society where in so many ways adoption is accepted, right? Mm -hmm. But also, you know, we grew up in a society where we are telling people constantly, you have your dad's nose, you have your dad's eyes, you know, you got your musical ability from your mom. You know, we have people who log on to Mm Ancestry.com, people who are born to their parents, and they're looking back and looking at six generations ago, and they're looking at, you know, I'm going to go visit the cemetery where my great-great-grandfather was buried, Mm -hmm. and they find such delight in that. And it's um, celebrated, all of this ancestry stuff. Or women on Facebook posting their birth stories, talking about the first moments with their child. You know, all of that is beautiful and wonderful. Yeah. Okay? Then for the adoptee, right, all of a sudden they might have questions about their first family or they might want to search. And what is the adoptee told? Oh, it's love that makes a family. Biology doesn't matter. <laughs> it's completely antithetical. Right? And so therein lies this, like, how come we can celebrate it all over here and you can log into Ancestry.com five times a day. You weren't even adopted and you care a lot about your past. Why can I not care about my past? Sure. Yeah. Um, And so trying to, that's just such a paradox, right? So, um, yeah, biology matters until for the adopted person, oh, but you have your parents now. So I think for prospective adoptive parents, right, it's be prepared to deal with those issues. If you're going to prepare yourself to adopt a child, yes. you should also come knowing that you're going to have to face these questions and be these prepared and be, head on. Yeah, and don't see it as a chore, right? Want, if you're going to sign up to adopt, you're also committing yourself to this. Yeah. And so if you see that that's going to be a chore or that's going to be something very hard for you, um, I would re-examine your motivations and expectations. Mm-hmm. You, you really need to think hard about uh, are, are you prepared to do these things? And if you're not, and that's should okay. you be an adoptive parent? And that's okay. And that's totally exactly. fine. It's totally fine. There's no shame in that. Right. There's no shame in that. Um, you know, I think parents want to do well. Absolutely. What parent says, I'm going to be a parent, but I want to do a really, really crappy job. D, I really want to be a D plus parent. You I want to be I a totally adequate C parent. Right. Parents don't say that. So I, I, I recognize, I recognize that. Um, yeah. Do you have anything else that you would like to say out unto the world of I meet parents, some really adoptees. interesting people. I've loved meeting really interesting parents and fellow adopted persons. And, um, you know, I think I say, you know, I, I just remember it once Adoptive Families Magazine posted on Facebook, post one word, when you hear the word adoption, post one word that you think mm-hmm. of, right? And so, of course, Adoptive Families is a lot of adoptive parents posting. 
Yeah. And so it's love, family, sacrifice, blessing, miracle. And if I had my one word, I would just say complex, right? I picked something similar. What if did you, you pick? If you listen to the episode I posted with Skylar Swenson, okay, uh, she asks she asks a similar question because uh-huh. she also does interviews, and she said, "What? What? Do you, how would you describe your relationship with Korea?" I think was the question. Ooh. And I in said, "In one word." In she said, "Pick three words." Okay. And I could think of two, and one was like, uh, <laughs> "It was either complex or uh-huh. it's complicated." Uh huh. That's two words. It's complicated. Complicated, I think, is what I said. Okay. Is there? Uh, I said complicated com- or complex, or uh, I said uh, loss, but I didn't. It wasn't like a deep loss. It was just right. like there's obviously something missing there, almost like a void. Right. And then I couldn't think of a third word, and so we kind of joked that it was like, it's still complex. <laughs> it's still complicated. Right, right. And, and that's honestly how I feel about it. There's a sense of loss, but it was like when I went back, I also felt like this is great. This is so amazing because, I, you know, having grown up near and living in and around New York, I love city life. Like, city life is how I want to exist, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I've lived in a multitude of places. I've lived in developing countries. I've lived in uh, rural North America, all over the place. But, like, Seoul, to me, was one of those cities which was, like, this is the cl- one of the closest places that I'd been thus far that was had the same kind of uh, rhythm as New York. Uh-huh. But... You're also traveling through this metropolis, and all of a sudden, there's Dongdaemun. There are palaces right. that are it's centuries the old, old, and, the new, and right. we've circled around it with know, skyscrapers. It's, it's amazing to me, but it's something like I've ever experienced before. Right. And that, to me, uh, exemplifies like how complex I feel about Korea mm-hmm. and about adoption. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that. You know, growing up, people would say, do you want to go back to Korea? Do you want to search for your birth parents? Mm -hmm. And they're yes, no questions. And I think it's really putting an adopted person on the spot because I could never answer that with a yes or a no, right? Because it's like, yes, I guess I would like to go back to Korea, but then I feel like if I say that, people are going to be like, ooh, she's got issues. She wants to go back to Korea. Why isn't she happy here? You know, maybe her parents aren't good enough. Maybe she's not thankful. You know, I remember feeling kind of those things. But then if I say, no, I don't want to go back to Korea. Oh, why does she want to go back to Korea? She's denying who she is, you know? And so I remember kind of feeling just stuck, right, when someone would ask me a point-blank question. It's a loaded question. It is. It's not as easy as that. And so as easy as a yes or a no. Um, And I guess I'm okay with that. Um, I'm okay with that Mm -hmm. Um, complexity and... um, I'm okay with knowing there's a lot of caveats with some of these. Yeah. So. You're okay with a gray and color-filled world that's I'm not okay entirely with black and white. The gray of life. Sure. You know, and some of this stuff. Um, and I'm okay with knowing that my child feels one way about this today, and ten years later feeling differently, or even ten weeks later feeling differently about something. Yeah. Um, and I want to allow them the flexibility in that. And um, maybe they'll pull back sometimes. Maybe they'll move forward. Maybe they'll feel mixed things. I want my kids at some point, if they want to, to be able to meet their birth parents, if that's something that's possible for all of them. Um, Yeah. I see that that could be a natural and typical desire, right? Sure. Why wouldn't it be? And it's not a slight against me. No, absolutely. It's, It's really not. Yeah. Why should it be? I don't know. Exactly. That's a great question. I mean, that's really a great question. I don't feel in competition with my kids' Korean parents. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, and I know some people have, not all adoptive parents do, but I know I worked with some adoptive parents who say, I don't want to adopt domestically because I don't want to have to worry about birth parents. And you're thinking like, well, your kids got into the world. <laughs> it wasn't historic. Most it likely. It truly wasn't historic. Most likely. There was a man and a woman involved, and whether or not they are living here in the States or living overseas, at some point in your child's life, they will be psychologically present. Yeah, right? I, w- I would assume. And so, um, yes, I understand what you're saying, but it's just not as easy as that. Yeah. Um, and why would we want to keep that from our kids? Mm-hmm. I know that it's not all about roses all the time. You know, I know all the circumstances and the people are not all. It's not this perfect world. I get that. We can't romanticize our kids' beginnings necessarily, um, but we also can't take it. We cannot ourselves, I feel like, stop them from that and keep that information from them. I think our kids need their full stories. I'm going to ask you something that's going to be personal. Here we go. Feel free to not answer. Okay. Um, But also keep in mind that this is a prospective parent, a question that I would ask other adoptive parents as well, not not necessarily just you. Okay. Is there anything uh, thus far Mm -hmm. raising your children Um, that you found particularly hard or surprising that you did not anticipate? Related to adoption? Yes. No. No? Mm-mm. Do you ever get that question from other parents? I don't think so. Not Maybe. Yet. I guess I have. Nothing has surprised me this far. Well, I mean, I guess hear. my kids ask questions, but I really don't think anything big. There was has... nothing out of the ordinary that you wouldn't have thought they would have asked or that you haven't asked yourself as an adoptee. Wait, what was that second question? That they haven't asked you a question that you haven't potentially asked no. yourself or your parents as an adoptee. Right. I mean, I will say that I feel that sense that all adoptive parents feel and that we want to love our kids and protect them and keep them safe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I have not been... I mean, kids are perceptive, I will say that. And so I guess that's something that would surprise me maybe is that until you spend that much time with a child... Um, and have that parent-child relationship, and you just realize how perceptive a child can be. Yeah. Um, which is awesome, right? What an awesome quality that they have. Um, but then as the parent, you're on the other side of your children are very perceptive about their stories <laughs> or about you or what you're doing. Sure. And so I think that's really beautiful, but I think that, that it, maybe that's something that surprised me is that what they remember and mm. perceive and understand and then having to revisit conversations um, and help them along the way of understanding truth and reality. Is there anything that comes to mind immediately? No. No? I don't think so. All right, we'll have them watch Inside Out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and you I, watch Inside Out I with know. them. I've heard a lot about it. It's a great movie. I know. I think you would really find it interesting. As I would. A I've movie. actually listened to a couple podcasts about it. <laughs> It's, uh, well, about the writers. The writers, yeah. the research process. Right, right. It doesn't explore, I think it was, uh, I forget what psychologist they went off of because he has a seven emotion uh, scale that's inherent in people. And they went with five. Okay. The, the whole thing is, I think, a brilliant masterpiece because it's an allegory. Uh, the whole thing takes place in, mostly in this girl's head, this 12-year-old girl's head. It's all about joy, trying to keep sadness in like this chalk circle and be like, stop trying to make this kid sad, basically, like that. And it, it's like, it's beautiful because it's also like, this is what parents do. They don't want their kid to ever feel sad, mm-hmm. right? But it's like how, how healthy that is for kids 
to actually feel sadness, to feel fear, to feel disgust, and to yeah. explore those range of emotions without just feeling joy. Joy is not just your right. entire life. And I think that applies a lot to the adoptee experience. Absolutely. Because we have obviously been expected to feel joyful about adoption all the time. You right. know, it's the Christmas ornaments that say adoption is a blessing. Mm-hmm. Or, the or just being told that all the time. Yes. They're saying you're or, so lucky. Correct. And then, I mean, I found myself telling my kids and encouraging other parents to tell their kids, like, we can tell our kids. It's sad when families can't stay together. It's sad when parents and kids can't stay together, right? Because mm-hmm. I think that we're naming that and giving them the permission then to feel sadness at some point. Right. Um, because I think all of us would agree in any situation, it is sad when parents and kids can't stay together. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. No matter what. Um, and so I think naming that, giving it words, allows our children to recognize that that's fact and that's true and that they don't just have to put on this happy face of celebrating adoption because it's National Adoption Month. Um, (laughs) And be able to cope with that. And to be able to cope with that. And then I want them to be able to look back and say, you know what, my mom and dad told me I might feel that way someday. Yeah. You know, as opposed to it blowing them out of the water because they had never felt that way. They had only felt this positivity because that's what they had been hand-fed, that adoption is the best thing ever. You completed our family. Adoption is a miracle. Adoption is a blessing. Um, We are so thankful for you. We chose you. And then that one night, to start feeling that sadness of, wow, I've got other parents over here. They have no idea where I am. I have no idea who who they are. Mm -hmm. And to have never understood that adoption could also encompass that. Yeah. I think what a scary feeling for that child. Sure. Right? And to think, how can I talk to mom about that when she's up there celebrating adoption and trying to get everyone else to adopt? Because <laughs> that happens. And I have this sad, scary feeling, but is my mom even going to understand me? Right. And am I a bad child for feeling the sadness mm-hmm. when dad and mom have told me otherwise? Yeah. So let's give our kids the full spectrum Acknowledge their feelings. Yeah, it's good and bad. And, and cope with that together. I think. I don't know. Is that too pie in the sky? I think that's uh, a better answer than being like, ignore, ignore all their fears. Yeah. <laughs> Draw this circle around sadness and, and fear and keep them be happy all the time. To ignore that. No, I don't think I don't. so. At least consciously. They're not consciously saying, like, you always need to be happy. No. You're so lucky. No. But of course, I think we all have to. Admit that it's easier yes. to talk about the... Yes, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, where can people find you on the lines in the Google machine or wherever mm-hmm. in, the, in the world? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I have a website. It is my name, mm-hmm. Tara Vanderwood. Do you want to spell that out? Because I would spell Vanderwood differently than the so way you spell it. So would most people. T A R A. V as in Victor, A N as in Nancy, D E R W O U D as in David, E dot com. See, that's where the end part is where I, I know, spell it's it. Tricky. It's I'd tricky. I spell it wood like D- chopping wood. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Or wood, W O U L D. Like you I would, would never spell go it to that the store. Way. Well, first grade. But I could do. see <laughs> how people would do would spell it that way. No pun intended. That was kind of intended. So there's one place I very I do not keep that website. I used to blog. I've blogged about some interesting topics. 
end up so archive topics yes are still very useful yes about talking to people about adoption the exotic asian female we touched on that yes yeah. yeah, we went there. We touch on that a little bit with my Skylar interview. You do? Absolutely. Okay, it's there. And parents of Asian females need to be aware. Be forewarned. Yeah, it happens. And I was not ready for it when it happened. I, a lot of, I, well, because it's not talked about that much. Well, it's embarrassing, right? Right, I yeah. I still blush when I talk Nobody about it. Nobody wants to talk about how they're fetishized. Right. Or exoticized. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a male, an Asian male specifically, mm-hmm. I never have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately, unfortunately, females do. I mean, females in general, I think, do. Yeah. But Asian yes. females in particular have I've to deal with a whole other issue. I've had many a ma- man want to date me because they want a Chinese wife. Right. Yeah. Or, yeah, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> we um, won't get into that now. Yeah, it's too late for that. But it's archived as an sure. article on the website. Sure. I'm not your exotic Asian is Ooh. what that's called. Yes. I feel like I've heard of that one. You might have seen it. I might have seen it. And then on Facebook, I post more. Facebook.com. Backslash? Slash. Slash. <laughs> Tara Vanderwood. Spelled the same. Spelled the same. Not wood like chopping wood or wood like you would do this. Correct. Tara Vanderwood. W-O-U-L-D-E. No. D-E. D-E. W-O-U-D-E. All right. Well, so, and you have a Twitter, but you don't really use it. I don't. And that probably is Tara Vanderwood, but I'm not even sure. I think it's at Tara. Does it start with the at sign? It starts with an ad. I think sign. it's at Tara Vanderwood. I think I tried to be very consistent. With I could look writing. it up because you just followed me. Okay, I think I think it's at Tara Vanderwood. I very rarely tweet, so don't really go there. Um, <laughs> but I do try to post on Facebook once in a while, either push out articles about race, adoption, identity, okay, and or post my own little snippets of what I'm thinking or what I'm educating on. Excellent. I try to tell people where I'll be next, but I'm kind of. Do you know where you are going to be next? About that. Um, I will be doing a national webinar next. A webinar? Like yeah. live? Strange. Nice. Strange. You told I me you didn't like, like to be recorded. Now you're doing a webinar. I know. What's wrong with me? This is, is this the first uh, recorded thing that you've done? No, I've been recorded and you can buy some of my sessions, but I'm very oh. weird about that. What do you mean you're weird? I don't know. I don't like what I'm saying. Why would you be weird about internet. that? I don't know. I'm not quite sure. Anyway, Do not like national to hear your webinar voice. about romanticized adoption language and Ooh. how we can really give our kids the full story. Mm. And then I'm speaking at a conference in May. I mean, May, I'm speaking at Korean Heritage Camp probably in Colorado, going to Korea in June. Oh, are you going to be there with uh, Annalisa? Um, who's Annalisa? Is she going? Annalisa Ferretis. Is she going? I believe so. She to emailed Korea? me. She was No, no, no. The one in Colorado. Oh, yes. I'm not going to the adult adoptee. Um, retreat. I'm going to go speak to adopted parents, Korean adopted. Oh, uh, I see. Adopted Korean kids. I've gone the past few years. Okay. Korea and then Raleigh. I think I'll be in Raleigh. Oh, Raleigh! I love Raleigh. You love Raleigh? I love the I triangle. You're a big city person. Well, I love the. I I was forced to live in the South for a little while, um, and I lived close to the triangle. So the triangle is kind of my jam. Durham is actually the city that I really love. Okay. If you do, you guys like craft beer? You and your husband? Is he going? He's not going. I always go to Raleigh by myself. You're going by yourself? And Durham's where it's at? If you go to Chance, go to Full Steam Brewery in Durham. Okay. It is awesome. And they usually have like a food truck or two come around, and those are always good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, your Twitter is at Tara Vanderwood. It's very creative. I mean, that's a unique name. You're lucky you got that. Mine is... There is another Tara Vanderwood. 
Get out of here. I'm sorry. I Googled it once. There the is. same spelling? Yes. Really? Freaky. That is freaky. I know. Not anything as cool as you. I hope not. No, I don't think so. She might be, actually. That'd be great. <laughs> Highly doubtful. Hi- we're going to go with no. Okay, thank you. You're awesome. Thank you. You know why you're awesome? Because you came out last minute to do this show. No, I did. And at I the ram- Hyatt. I rambled. You rambled. I'm not a rambler. I am a rambler. You're a rambler now. I'm a rambler. At the very least, you're a rambler guest. I'm a rambler guest. <laughs> and I appreciate that. You're very welcome. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. All right, wasn't that great? That was fantastic. That was fantastic. That was a great conversation with Tara. First of all, I want to thank Tara Vanderwood for coming last minute to speak with me in Indianapolis, all right? Uh, Indianapolis, I had a great time. I don't know if I I didn't mention this earlier. I did not mention this earlier, but I had a great time in Indianapolis. And uh, I want to give a special shout-out to some places that I ate at, particularly one place, which is St. Elmo's Steakhouse. St. Elmo's Steakhouse is located in downtown Indianapolis. And while it is a steakhouse, it is most well-known for its shrimp cocktail, of all things, okay? Look, I'm going to be honest. That shrimp cocktail, I honestly thought... There was a joke being played on me by Yelp and Google and all the other things on the line in the Google machine that said like, oh, if you go to St. Elmo's Steakhouse, you must have, you must have the shrimp cocktail. And I was like, oh my God, I must have the shrimp cocktail. I must have the shrimp cocktail. It says, everybody says, have the shrimp cocktail. And I got it. Okay. I got the shrimp cocktail and it was delicious, but... It was very spicy. There's a reason why it's called St. Elmo's, okay? Because that shrimp cocktail was St. Elmo's fire hell sauce in my mouth. It was like 90% horseradish and 10% whatever the rest of the shrimp cocktail is made out of. And it was great. Look, I loved it, but it was spicy as hell. It it, it really cleared my sinuses. I don't know if you can tell, but I have really bad allergies. I want to thank everybody that gave me advice on uh, what to do about my allergies and my uh, asthma going on. I, I, I'm full on with the Flonase. I got an inhaler and it's great. But nothing compares to St. Elmo's shrimp cocktail and the horsey sauce over there. It's insane. It's insane. And and so every steak meal over there comes with navy bean soup. And I thought the waiter was trying to play a trick on me, which was try, try the sauce in the soup. It's really good if you take a spoonful of the sauce and put it in the soup. And I was like, this guy is trying to kill me. It was legitimately good. Try it. If you ever if you ever find yourself in Indianapolis, go to St. Elmo's uh, Steakhouse and try that because it's actually good. Anyways, again, I'm rambling. I'm rambling. I know uh, Tara doesn't like that. And for the people uh, who came uh, to this podcast listening to just Tara's uh, professional advice, I apologize for all the rambling. But you know, the podcast is called The Rambler, so I'm not. I'm sorry, but not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Look. Thank you, Tara, for coming in last minute and helping me out and uh, doing the interview. I feel like we got a lot out of it, and I feel like the people who listen to this will get a lot out of it. There's, you had a lot to say, and it was meaningful, and I appreciate it, and it was as fiery and spicy as St. Elmo's uh, shrimp cocktail. In any case, look, I hope you guys had a great Easter Sunday and had a good weekend. You can always find me on uh, Twitter at the Rambler ADHD. On Facebook at facebook.com slash the Rambler ADHD or email me at the Rambler ADHD at gmail.com. All right. Find me at any of those places. Drop me a line. Leave me a nice review on iTunes. All right. Uh, I'm also on Podbean at the Rambler ADHD.podbean.com if you're not an iTunes user. 
Uh, leave me a nice review if you find yourself on iTunes. And uh, all that stuff. Look, if you would like to be interviewed for The Rambler, I'm going to be in Boston. All right, Boston, Massachusetts, not Austin, Texas, or Boston, Texas, or Austin, Massachusetts. Boston, Massachusetts, from April 11th through April 15th, uh, which I don't expect to change, but it's subject to change. So, if you are a part of the Boston Korean adoptees, or would like to uh, be interviewed in that area, I will be there during those dates. Get in touch with me at TheRamblerADHD at gmail.com, on Twitter at TheRamblerADHD, or Facebook.com slash TheRamblerADHD. All right? I appreciate uh, you getting in touch with me. Or if you just want to be nice and drop a line, all right? Drop me a line at any one of those. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, and have a great night. Good night. Happy Easter. Uh, Hope you enjoy your Cadbury eggs. Also, music tonight is provided by The Bell at Needle Drop Records and a collective effort at soundcloud.com slash a collective effort music. And we're going to close out today's show with more music by a collective effort. Again, get in touch with me. All right. Thanks a lot. And have a great Easter. Talk to you next week when we, as in the royal we, I, really just me, will be talking with my guest, Heather Schultz of the Donaldson Institute, and she's also on the board of also known as in New York. Oh, that reminds me, if you're still sticking around for this uh, outro piece and you and you uh, want a tidbit of information, aka the mentorship program, the youth mentorship program is looking for more mentees. So if you have a child or uh, are a child who's interested in these kinds of things, uh, under the age of 13, so like 12 and under, Join also known as is a youth mentorship program. I'm partial because I'm the co-director of the teen program, but uh, I, I'm trying to help out my good friend Jay and Annabelle, uh, who are co-directing the youth mentorship program out here in New York. Okay, so if you're in the New York area and want to participate, please get in touch with us. Uh, you can always email me and I will forward your information to them. Or you can visit also known as .org. That is also known as .org. All right. Look, have a great night and have a happy Easter. Good night. Peace. Charming demeanor There's few I'd met keener Your smile so candescent So coy and so pleasant At distance I know I saw you in focus The time it would ease by And soon you sat nearby 
on my first impression time was garden and it just took some time in this game of back and forth bashful banter caught up in your web of charms I'll struggle to untangle answers what would I do if I was next to you such a simple thing to say but a hard thing to do Disappointed is what you said to me But it's not my fault you grew on me Age like wine on the tip of my restless tongue Like grapes in the vineyard A bitter process you've become Start and cast so what a pleasant demise A labor of love waiting for us you